the question that I have for all of us, and I think is a question that we've heard maybe in other contexts, is the question of what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And the, <laughs> the situation sometimes comes up when maybe, you know, it's a question that usually helps to define the relationship you're in. Possibility of uh, um, maybe wondering where we stand in this situation. What are you looking for in this relationship? It's a good question. You know, there are times when I wish I knew what I was looking for just in general. Uh, I ever get up to go get something and along the way you uh, get distracted and forget what it was you were you're up to get uh, it happens to me often <laughs> I get up from the chair behind me there and I'm you know our house isn't that big get think, get up and think I'm going to get something and walk along and get distracted and all of a sudden I stop and think what was I getting up for what was I looking for and then I got to go back sit back down and try it all over again those things happen to me sometimes or how about the classic looking for the glasses, your glasses, when they're on your head already? Or maybe, where's my phone, and you have it in your hand? Uh, or probably also, too, where's uh, women, where's my purse, and you have it on your shoulder already? Uh, we were looking for a shower curtain that uh, Becky purchased uh, on one of her long walks. She's been going on walks and enjoying the weather here, and she would stop by, and she got some items. She picked up a shower curtain for uh, our house and and then she couldn't find it anywhere and I remember seeing it here as well too she got that on Monday and we were looking all over the place for it couldn't find it trying to figure out where it was at and so throughout the this week each day we would kind of look again for things for it again through things and couldn't quite understand what had happened to that item and then just yesterday as Becky was looking a little bit more for it again and I was wondering myself, um, Brianna said, what are you looking for? And and next <laughs> to the shower curtain. And, and Brianna said, oh, that's in my room. <laughs> we're like, what? You knew this all the time. So it, sometimes uh, what we're looking for, we, uh, we're we not looking in the right spots. But uh, you, you come into to the kitchen, look into the refrigerator for something to eat, but don't find anything. You close the door, you look in the cupboards for something else to eat, you don't quite find what you're looking for. Then you go back to the refrigerator, you open up the door again to look inside there, see if anything has changed in there. Maybe there's something that magically reappeared and there it is and you get to eat it. That's, you know, each time I did that, ice cream didn't appear in the freezer too often. But uh, those things happen. Easter egg hunts, you know, we had our fun little Easter egg hunt on Saturday. We were gifted uh, uh, an Easter egg hunt by a family from the school. And uh, each of us had our own amount of eggs, I guess. And, and Maddie could only find eight of her nine eggs out there on the, on the lawn. And it, they were hidden in a lot of different places. And uh, we joked that actually we could, we, that, we on, that there were only eight eggs and we were telling her to find nine. And so she could be looking for that ninth egg and it wasn't there. But we were having fun with her on that one, trying to, you know, maybe just keep her searching whatever she was looking for. But uh, you think about that. What are you looking for today? What are you looking for? We come to a time together like this, and maybe you're looking for a um, spruced up, slick looking type of service going on with music at a, sur at, at a church sanctuary or whatever. Um, I don't know. You're not going to get that here too much. 
you're going to get a time gathering together and worshiping our Lord and Savior. Uh, but what are you looking for today? Are you looking for answers to your issues? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for uh, a way out? Are you looking for something different? Uh, what are you looking for today? As that question rings in your ears and, and in your heart, uh, we're going to conclude our, our series on the power of the cross this Easter Sunday here today. And we're going to look at the reaction that the disciples had in seeing the empty tomb. And the question was posed to, uh, to the women. And, uh, and we're going to look at God, the Gospel of John today, today in chapter 20. But in the Gospel of Luke, the angel spoke to the women and he asked them, Why, why are you looking for the living, uh, the, the dead here? There's, there's no one here. Um, Jesus has risen. What are you looking for? And uh, in John chapter 20, we don't get that question as much, but it is still there. The women went. They were ready to go ahead and, and uh, um, prepare Jesus' body. And when they got there, they found a surprise. And what they were looking for wasn't exactly what they found, and uh, it was a little different for them. So turn with me to John, Gospel, Gospel John chapter 20. We're going to look at the first eight verses and as we do so, I trust that, uh, again, Scripture will speak to your hearts and uh, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you well even before this message gets going. So, John chapter 20, verse, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And if you continue on in that chapter, you get to see also, too, and find out how Jesus appeared a little more specifically to Mary Magdalene and then also to the disciples as well as uh, Thomas later on. Interesting chapter. Interesting portion of scripture that helps us see that sometimes what we're looking for isn't exactly what we find and there's something even better. Mary came to the tomb early that first uh, resurrection day and there had been no time to, to, to even properly prepare and embalm Jesus' body before they buried it Friday, just before the Sabbath sundown. So now on Sunday morning, and the Sabbath was over with, Mary and the other women carried spices with them to the Lord's tomb. And they intended to complete this one final loving act of their friend. Entering the grave would not be pleasant. By now the body would have begun to decay and maybe also to smell. But that would not be the first problem. First, they would have to find a way to move that stone. 
but when they arrived, the stone had already been moved, and there was no body to be, to be found, and without hesitation, Mary ran to tell Peter and John. And the, poss the possibility that Jesus had been raised from death didn't even cross Mary's mind, or even the minds of Jesus' other friends either. The thought was ridiculous. It was unimaginable. Why build up your hopes only to have them crushed again? And Mary's words reveal the level of her despair. And in verse 2, says, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So, like starting the gun at the track meet, uh, start of a, a sprint, Mary's words set off a foot race between Peter and John, and they took off for the tomb as fast as their feet would carry them. And John, being probably younger and also faster, he arrived first. And he looked in and saw the linen wrappings, but waited for Peter before going in. And Peter barely slowed down when he arrived. He plunged headlong into the darkness, just like Peter, isn't it? And there lay the linen wrappings and the face cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. It had been folded and placed to one side. And at this moment, then, John plunged in after Peter. John looked around. And taking it all in, then, in the darkness of the tomb, the, the lights came on for him. He got it. He finally understood. Finally understood what it all meant. And Jesus had been trying to tell them about this for months, but his words had made no sense at that time. Now the fog began to clear, and John began to understand how the prophet's words and every event in the history of God's people had pointed forward to this precise moment. We are so familiar with this story. And yet it seems to never grow old. Year after year, it brings a sense of joy, and it is forever new. You get to hear the story of, of Jesus' resurrection uh, during this time on Easter Sunday. But a close study of how the first witnesses to our Savior's Easter victory ex experienced those events can help us more clearly see the resurrection of our Savior and discern its implications for us today. What does it mean today as we look at how these disciples uh, reacted to this whole situation? Now, if you go back to John chapter 20, three times the apostle refers to seeing. The first in verse 5 describes John as he arrived at the tomb. And the text reads, He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Now, the Greek word used here for looked in is blepo. It's kind of a funny sounding word, but blepo, meaning to glance at something. And John glanced inside the Lord's tomb, but he took little notice of the details. John looked just like we might, for example, look into a closet, uh, intending to pull something out, but failed to find, that we want, find what we want because it's in a container we don't expect. I've been there before trying to look for a certain thing in a drawer and I just kind of open it up, expect to find it, don't see it, think, okay, it must be somewhere else and close the drawer. Not, not really looking in exactly the details of what's in that drawer. And here the same thing's going on with John. He looked in, blepo, not really uh, seeing the details, but just glancing at something. 
The second reference here in this portion of Scripture to seeing comes in verse 6. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went to the, into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Now the Greek word used for saw in this verse is theoreo. Theoreo. And it means to take careful notice of something. Now, so at this point, Peter notices the details. A little, little more than just blepo looking in. And Peter notices the details. The linen wrappings are lying there, right where Jesus' body had, had lain. And Peter also takes note that someone had neat, neatly rolled up the face napkin. What grave robber would ever take the time to do this? So the third reference we see here also too in seeing comes as John actually enters the tomb. And verse 8 tells us, Finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now the word used here for saw is oida. Oida. Meaning that one gets the full mental picture. And John realized what must have taken place. At this point, the pieces of the puzzle began to fall into place. The grave clothes lay, lay there on, on the stone slab, stone slab like a, a cocoon from which a, maybe a butterfly had just emerged. The wrappings retained their, their regular folds, as if the body of Jesus had just simply passed through and out of them. And all that Jesus had said about being crucified and then rising again on that third day now made sense. The prophecies of old about the coming Messiah pointed to this moment. And John and Peter had come to the tomb expecting to encounter death. They were looking for something, but it wasn't exactly what they found. Instead, they found life. They saw the glory of Jesus' victory. And the ways in which John and Peter saw Jesus' tomb remind us of ourselves a little bit, a little bit, doesn't it? We look at things and there are three ways we might find things. We might see things. Some of us will only glance, blepo, will only glance at the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. We may look, but we will not study. We we are very likely to miss a whole bunch and to forget a whole bunch as well too. Especially maybe once we're done here today. If you're just here to blepo, to just glance. This happens when we have preconceived notions of what we will find. John and Peter expected a corpse. Looking for that, at first they missed everything else. If you're here today and you're just coming to look and, uh, and enjoy time and, and not quite really realize what this message is about, and you're just here to blepo, that's about all you're going to get out of it. You're just going to get surface. You're just going to get a TV screen behind you of a fireplace with some peeps surrounding it. You're just going to get some person sitting in a chair here speaking about a Jesus who rose from the dead and think, that's nice. And then move on with your day. Some of us are here today and, and, and we will only glance at the accounts of Jesus. Blepo. Now others, others of us will see Jesus' resurrection and take in all the details. Theoreo. 
of taking all the de details, and we will take the time to study the accounts again. But at some point, we will fail to push past our amazement, our, our puzzlement about the situation. We will stop and then walk away, failing to gain all the insight God has made available to us in His Word. I think of that, and it takes me back to thinking about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus looking for how he could get eternal life. And he expressed how what he was doing to try to do this, and he knows all the commandments, he's kept them all, and he's, he's, trying, he's living up to that. What else should he do? And then Jesus told him what he should do, and then he wasn't willing to go past the details into what was awaiting him. He stopped short at receiving and believing. Some of us will come here today and just theoreo, look at the details, and just be in amazement, but not go beyond that. And finally, there are those of us who will see, oida, who will see and will get a complete mental picture of what's going on here. We will understand and believe the truth that all human history hinges on this event. Those who see in this way will understand the life-changing meaning of Jesus' resurrection and will live our lives based on this conviction. Theoreo is not this point. Oida. We go further than Theoreo. Oida. And we believe. Sometimes in church we talk about hearers of the word. and We talk about doers of the word. This text here today calls us to be seers of it. Seers, being able to see what's going on. You know, the resurrection demonstrates that Jesus is not a liar. He is who he says he is. He is the life. He is the resurrection. He is the truth. We need to realize that. He did what he said he would do. He was going to be killed. He was going to be put, put in that grave but he was going to rise again. It is true. Jesus is not a liar. This resurrection also demonstrates that the Father accepted his son's sacrifice. He raised Jesus from the dead as proof of this. The sacrifice was needed for our sins. Jesus paid that price, and that price was accepted by God. He raised Jesus from the dead. And the resurrection demonstrates also, too, that the grave has lost its grip on all God's faith-filled people. If you have Jesus as your Savior, you've received Him as your Savior and Lord, and also, too, one day, you will also, too, be in heaven. The empty tomb reveals the glory of Jesus' victory. The debt of our sins has been dissolved. Death's sting is demolished. Satan has been disarmed, defeated, and disgraced. How's that for alliteration? The grave has lost its grip on all God's faith-filled people. Be encouraged about that. So the resurrection demonstrates those things. He's not, Jesus is not a liar. God accepted his son's sacrifice, and the grave has lost its grip. That's good news. 
And from that, you should be saying amen and hallelujah. So what are you looking for? What are you looking for? That was a question in my life as a high schooler, way back in 1986. As a high schooler, I was not following God at all. I was one who was trying to make sense of life by doing what I could with what I had. I tried to make sense of life and try to find meaning and purpose in the things I did. Uh, athletics was a big thing. I wanted to be the best athlete I could in whatever sport I was involved with. And it so happened that I just focused on soccer. And I enjoyed that so much. And the thing is, is that I put a lot of time and energy into that because that gave me meaning. That fulfilled purpose in my life. But you see, the body can only uh, hold up to so much torture. <laughs> and ath athletics can do that. It can, it can put a body uh, uh, in, uh, into bad shape sometimes. It can abuse a body because of all the things that a person tries to make the body do. And so for me in soccer, I enjoyed it. I realized, though, that it was probably going to come to an end because I wouldn't think that I could do this forever. And so in a way, I thought, well, what, what is the purpose then? If, if it isn't athletics, what is the purpose? Where can I find meaning? And so as a, a junior and senior in high school, I started thinking, what else is there? There's got to be something else. And so I started looking for something. A good friend of mine, Greg Koskella, came to me and, uh, in, in high school there. And he was the one who was able to guide and lead me into a deeper purpose, a better purpose in life, deeper meaning in life. And he introduced me to Jesus. And then one summer day in August at a youth camp, Camp Baker was able to receive Christ as my Savior and found meaning and purpose in Him. Before that encounter, I had really no meaning, no purpose, and what I was looking for really wasn't exactly what I should be finding. And then finally finding Jesus as my Savior on that day at camp in August of 1986. From that day, my life has changed. And from that day on, what I have been looking for is to be able to serve my Savior with all my life. To be able to do what He says, to be able to follow what, what He does. Be a follower of Jesus, basically. And from that day on, the question for me of what, I, what am I looking for? <clears throat> I'm looking for towards heaven. I'm looking towards a, a time when there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. And I will look forward to the time I'll be able to meet my Savior face to face and be able to see all those others who have passed on before me. Be able to see my mom. Be able to see my dad. You will be able to see your loved ones who have put their trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Be able to be reunited with those loved ones. Be able to be in heaven. There's no more stay at home. There's no more COVID-19 virus. There's no more problems. There's no more sorrow. Just praising, praising our God and Savior for eternity. I am looking forward to that. 
But let me ask you this. What are you looking for today? Do you still have your doubts about maybe who Jesus is and, or what he's done? Are you still uncertain about these things? I got to tell you, that's okay. And that might seem kind of weird hearing from, from a pastor, but that's okay to be uncertain. That's okay to have some doubts because the very nature of faith requires the presence of uncertainty. Not knowing what's ahead. Not knowing what's going on. The opposite of belief is not doubt. The opposite of, of belief is unbelief. <laughs> if you have doubts, I invite you. I invite you. More importantly, Jesus himself invites you. Just as he invited Thomas to examine the evidence as well. I invite you to examine the evidence. I invite you to Take a look at what the Bible says of who Jesus is and what he's done. On this resurrection day, I invite you to search what this is all about. And as you look at these things, in the face of your doubts, in the face of your uncertainty, be open. Be open to receive the truth. And to consider, maybe, maybe this Jesus is who he said he is. Maybe what he did on that cross is actually what I need. And examine all the details and come to a point of oida. Come and look and believe. You know, when... The disciples were there in the room, and after Mary came and told them that that she had she she had seen Jesus actually, because Jesus met with her later on. We read in Gospel ch chapter twenty, and Jesus meets with her. She doesn't realize it at first, but then he finally speaks her name, and her her eyes are open like, "This is Jesus." And then she goes and tells the disciples, and they're like, hmm, okay, well, all right. And then Jesus appears to them in that room. But one person wasn't there, and it was Thomas. And Thomas was not, not there to experience what the, the appearance of Jesus with the disciples. And then later on, when Jesus then moves on, and, and, and Thomas comes in, and the disciples are going, we've seen Jesus. He was here. And Thomas is like, yeah, right. You know, he's dead in the grave, remember? Until I can put my finger in, in those holes of the scar, uh, scar print holes in his hands and, and in his side where the spear went in, I'm not going to believe it. And then at that moment, Jesus appears again right there in that room with him. And then Thomas, after a moment there with Jesus, as Jesus explains to Thomas, Thomas's response is, My Lord and my God. Thomas believed. He examined the details. He saw what was before him, and he believed. If you're here today like a Thomas, I encourage you to take more than just a glance. Take more than just a glance. Go further than just noting the details. Instead, examine all the evidence and ask the Holy Spirit to fit it all into the big picture for you. What does this all mean for you. I did that very thing back on August 12, 1986, when I received Jesus as my Savior. 
before that, I was asking asking God, you know, if you're real, if there is a God, if there is your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, and all, help me to see this big picture. Help me to see how this all connects for me. And then once you pray that, once you ask God to do that, be ready. Hold on tight. Because the Holy Spirit is going to usher you into a moment to be able to, to realize your need for a Savior. I trust that as you pray that, you'll feel reassurance as well, too, that God is with you. And as you realize your need for a Savior, you'll be able to pray that prayer to have Jesus come in and clean up your heart, receive Him as Savior, and then, then to walk in His ways, to be a follower of Jesus. What better day than, than today to do that on Easter Sunday? you don't know him as savior examine the details see what's there and you know what you can only examine the details so far you're going to have to come to a point where you then finally see oida finally see and believe by faith by faith all scripture points to the fact that the tomb was empty because of the power of the cross and that's what we've been talking about these last sundays so look, see, believe in the Savior who died there for you and rose again. Christ is risen. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would just continue to be with all of us here today. And as we come here today, I'm sure there's all of us who are coming here with a different viewpoint, a different perspective. Lord, I pray that you speak to each of our hearts and help us see, Lord, in the way of we, we would see like John did, oida, be able to see and believe. Lord, I pray that if there's someone who is listening here today that has not received you as Savior, Lord, that you would just impress on their hearts the need to see and believe. Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for this resurrection day. And Lord, I pray that as we continue through this day together, that we would just be reminded of your love for us. And through these days where we, we are quarantined pretty much, can't do much of anything, Lord, that we would realize our freedom in you to be able to worship you, to be able to have you with us all the time. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to guide and direct during this day for us. That we would rejoice in you and realize the hope we have in you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us today as well. And I would pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just continue to impress on our, on our hearts the words that, that we've heard today, especially, Lord, your words, not mine, and that you would just continue to guide and direct in our hearts as we go along today. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for your message. And I pray, Lord, that we would realize that this is the day you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that you have risen. Jesus has risen. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.